Lesson from the first letter of St. Paul, the Apostle to the Corinthians. Brethren, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, again nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices in the right. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For our knowledge is imperfect, and our prophecy is imperfect. But when the perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall understand fully, even as I have been fully understood. So. Faith, hope, love, abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, taking the twelve, he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written of the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. They will scourge him, and kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hid from them, and they did not grasp what, he, what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside, begging, and hearing a multitude go by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. The saving words of the Gospel. Well, here we are in our pre-Lent, um, our Jaysima season, as sometimes it's called, pre-Lent, the, uh, the preparatory season for the preparatory season of Lent. Um, 
Holy Mother Church is very wise. Uh, she gives us these these purple Sundays um, in advance of Lent, uh, so that Lent, frankly, can't sneak up on us. Um, we don't have any excuse at all. Uh, so we have to consider well what our Lenten discipline is going to be, and uh, it should be something that is that, that's truly useful for us. And um, you know, Paul says here, um, when I was a child, I I did childish things. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Well, there are some people who, for Lent, will Lent in and Lent out, Lent in and Lent out, Lent in and Lent out for years and years and years. They give up chocolate for Lent. They give up coffee for Lent or something like that. Well, while that can be a great challenge for, for some people, I suggest that maybe that's kind of childish. I think there are better things that one can do during Lent than giving up chocolate or, uh, or just, you know, one thing. There, it's not just giving things up, you know. It's also about doing things. Um, it's not just the, the negative. It's also the positive. So these, um, these three Sundays are very important for us in, in, in helping us pre prepare for the disciplina. The disciplina, the, that's one of the discipline is one of the words that's used to describe the season of Lent, disciplina. And so we have to uh, undertake them well. The, these Sundays are so important that they have Roman stations uh, assigned to them, just as every single day during Lent does. And in the first one of these Sundays, Septuagesima, we were at St. Lawrence outside the walls. And, you know, where Lawrence is very highly, you know, greatly venerated by the Romans, so that he has many churches named after him in Rome, which is a demonstration of how important he was to the faith of the ancient church. And um, the, uh, the texts and, and antiphons and so forth for that Mass, going all the way back to long before Gregory the Great, who died in 604, are really very dire and, uh, and rather dark. And they, I think, were probably in part designed to uh, scare maybe a little bit the potential catechumens who were going to, you know, who were interested in becoming, uh, becoming Christian and being baptized. And uh, they, and then yeah, also last week and this week, it's, it's a little bit, a little dark, but, you know, for example, we have the, the third prediction of, made by the Lord of, of his upcoming passion and death. And it's as if Holy Mother Church is saying, we want you to know what you're getting into. This is a, uh, this is a possibility for you. Um, you know, suffering and and uh, and such like is part of what it is to be a Christian. You're going to have to shoulder your cross. Shouldering your cross is not giving up chocolate. Uh, back in the day when the Lord used the image of "take up your cross and follow me," He was taking, He was telling them to you know, take up an instrument of savage torture and humiliation and to do so willingly uh, for them for his listeners take up the cross was a horrifying terrifying image today from distance of many centuries when we say oh it's a real cross it might be like somebody at work is annoying for you so that's a cross to bear or um, I you know I have uh, gosh I've got another pain in my back what a cross to bear well okay those are Sure, those are crosses, but let's not let's not kid ourselves about what the Lord means by that. But take up your cross. 
isn't just, you know, burying a little pain in the back, giving up chocolate. Yeah. So in any event, uh, we have the stations on these on these three Sundays. First St. Lawrence, then St. Paul's outside the walls, who was, of course, beheaded. Lawrence was burned on a grate. St. <laughs> Paul was beheaded. And St. Peter, of course, was crucified upside down. Uh, so this is this is pretty serious stuff. Now we have in our gospel reading today um, the healing of the blind man. First we have the the prediction of the passion uh, and death of the Lord from the Lord Himself, but they don't understand what He's talking about yet. Um, it's hard for them to to grasp what it is that He's talking about. He's using for Himself the 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 phrase from Daniel, son of man, and which is more than Messiah. This is a, a divine title. He's applying this to himself, and yet he's going to what? He's going to be spit upon and tortured and die? So that there, it's a hard thing to grasp them, you know, for, at this point. So here we have Luke talking about a man um, who's sitting by the road, and he's blind. And when he hears that the Lord is coming along, he starts making a real ruckus. He starts making, he starts shouting, shouting. So much so that the people are saying, you know, be quiet, be quiet. Probably because the Lord, as he's going along, is probably teaching, he's talking. People are trying to hear him or whatever. And here's this guy making this racket. And so finally, and by the way, there are parallels uh, for this. And, you know, we remember that a lot of these episodes, which are historic, they really did happen. These are not fictional little anecdotes that try to teach us more, just moral lessons. They are also accounts of what really happened. And so the different authors of the, the different Gospels have their versions of the, of the same events very often. And we can find the parallel passages with this in Matthew 20 and in Mark 10. And we can find a little additional information also uh, about this man, this event, um, the parallel of in Mark 10 uh, gives the guy a name, which is uh, kind of an unusual thing in our Gospels, that we know the, the actual name of a person being healed. And so we have uh, this fellow is named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus is Bar, which is son, and Timaeus, which is a, like a more of a Greek name. Um, so this is, this is possibly a, a Gentile maybe a man of mixed blood, who knows, a Gentile and Jew. Um, but anyway, his name is Bartimaeus. And he, he doesn't, when he shouts out, he doesn't shout out in Mark, he doesn't shout out Kyrie, Lord. He shouts out Rabuni, uh, teacher, my teacher, which is one of the things that reminds us that we are learners when it comes to Christ. We don't tell Christ what to do. Christ tells us what to do. He is the one who gives enlightenment to our soul. He is the one who heals us from our, and of course we have here the example of a man who is blind. He is the one who enlightens us, lightens our darkness, gives sight to us, is the one who alleviates our spiritual blindness and brings us into not just sight, but insight into, into who we truly are. Remember, there's a, in the, one of the Vatican Council documents called Gaudium in Space, there's a paragraph 22, which says that, you know, talks about the Lord, why he came into the world. 
and it says that the Lord came into the world to reveal man more fully to himself. He comes into the world to illuminate us about who we really are as human beings, as made in the image and likeness of God, to know ourselves properly, which is, of course, one of the what we do during Lent, during the discipline of Lent. The word disciplina is involved, comes from the word for learning. And so we have we we have um, the the Bartimaeus here um, in his in his encounter with the Lord, and he makes a ruckus. He starts calling out, and what happens again in the in the parallel version of Mark with Mark? We, and it's perfectly okay for us to use the other parallel passages to help us interpret this one from Luke, which doesn't have all of the information in it. And what happens? They say, well, call him. And then this, we have this word call comes in here. And when, when you see a word repeated several times, you know, a little flag should go up in our head that we said, okay, pay attention. What's, What's going on with this word call? Maybe it's, maybe it's important. Forms of the word call. So he's shouting to the Lord, and the Lord said, call him. And this is what it actually says, call him. And they called the man, and they said, take heart, he is calling you. So call, call, call. And this is a, Greek, this is a form of the Greek word kaleo, which is also where we happen to get the word ecclesia which means the church, the assembly, the church that's called together. Now, one of the things I think that we can take from this is that we are not in this alone. We have the distant connection between the, the calling of the man for the Lord and then the Lord's calling for him to come to him. But in between, something else has to happen. He's blind, so he has to be led to the Lord by other people. Other people are involved. It's like a, a relay of so forth. You can almost imagine him either, you know, they're saying, make way, make way, and trying to make a hold of the crowd, or they're kind of passing him along from person to person in order to, to help him to get to where the Lord is in this large crowd of people that are following him around. So we are not alone in our searching for the Lord, in our calling to the Lord. There are others out there. There are those who are willing to help us. And there are those at the same time that are in need of help who are calling, whom we should be able to tune our ears to hear. One of the things that I draw from this Lord saying, bring him to me, call him, is in a, a phrase that I, I developed many years ago, uh, both from personal experience and also from listening to the stories of other people, especially converts to the church or reverts to the church. And that is, never underestimate the power of an invitation. When you call someone to come and do something, with you. It's a very powerful moment. It's a mysterious moment of encounter between you. And when it has to do with things which are good, true, and beautiful, and when it happens to, ha happens to do especially 
have something to do with the fulfillment of the virtue of religion, and that is um, primarily fulfilled by the proper worship of God, there is not only just the mysterious encounter of the person with you whom you have invited, but also present with you is the Lord himself. It becomes a supercharged moment of encounter. And it's very mysterious, and it can work great wonders in people's minds and hearts. Never underestimate the power of an invitation. If you, for example, would invite someone to go to Mass uh, with you, or someone to go to a talk of some kind, or to confession, or you know, just to do, even on, the, on a somewhat more mundane level, to go out and have a cup of coffee and talk about things, coffee that you have not given up for Lent, whatever. In any event, it also could be that people will not take the, up the invitation. You might have to wait until the tenth time you've invited them, and they finally give in and, um, and come with you. And it could be that their lives will be changed at that moment from what it is that you, you bring them to. Never underestimate the power of an invitation. A single invitation could change the trajectory of a person's life. And I'm going to, I'm going to stop right there because I think it's the most important uh, takeaway, along with the fact that we have to prepare well for the coming of Lent, which begins this coming Wednesday already. It's astonishing how quickly time flies. Lent is coming, so prepare well. Take stock of who you are and what, what you want your Lent to be. It's, it's coming, it's, and you, you have no excuse. You know about it. The Lord himself is the one who gives insight to us and reveals us more fully to ourselves. So we have to be very open to what it is that he's saying. And within that saying, he offers his own invitations, which are supercharged by his graces, but then we, as instruments of grace, can also be offering invitations to others. Uh, and those invitations might change the trajectory of a life forever.